0: to the London Walks podcast. This episode, London Museums.
1: I'm going to leave you now in the capable hands of Karen, uh, just across the road here at the British Museum in Bloomsbury. As I stride off to Lincoln's Inn to hook up with Andy, we're going to nose around at the John Soane Museum. But first, here's Karen.
0: My name's Karen pierce Golding, and I regularly guide the British Museum. We start off at Holborn, and then we sort of meander through Bloomsbury, which, of course, is the sort of academic heart of the city, and then end up outside the gargantuan British Museum. And I think the challenge of the British Museum is its size and the number of objects in there. I mean, there are seven and a half million objects. Um, So obviously it would be frustrating to try and see them all in the two hour tour. So we concentrate on the highlights, the most famous parts of the museum. We started the hub of the museum with the Great Court and it's a lovely, fresh, open feeling space with with, with such a dense collection. It's an antidote, if you like, to that. And I think, you know, this idea of looking up and blue skying um, when you've seen, you know, maybe one Grecian and too many it is very therapeutic and gives you the second burst of energy to perhaps explore another country. The Parthenon sculptures have to be my favourite and I know it's a cliché, but it's a nice big room that they're in and you can get really, really sort of nose to nose with some of the Greek gods and goddesses and really understand um, what that time in Athens was all about. The Parthenon sculptures are the most contentious part of the entire collection. And often at the end of a walk, I get people going, we didn't see the Elgin marbles. Yes, you did. But they're not called that anymore. They're called the Parthenon sculptures. Reason being, um, they belong to the ruined Parthenon that stands on the Acropolis, the high place just outside Athens in Greece. They are not owned by Elgin who brought them across from Greece to London And house them in the British Museum. I have been confronted on many occasions by people who stop listening because I am very um, sort of balanced about what I say about the Parthenon sculptures Uh, and many would agree that perhaps it is time that they all be back in one place but then of course there is the argument is would they exist today if they hadn't been brought inside At the end of the British Museum walk, if there was one thing that I would point you towards as an exhibit, then it would have to be the exquisite Portland vase, absolutely devastatingly beautiful, and it looks like a piece of Wedgwood Jasperware, but in fact it was this vase that inspired the Wedgwood Jasperware, and you will see these beautifully and meticulously carved figures depicting, we think, Peleus and Thetis' love match. We think it was probably um, uh, made uh, for somebody's wedding or perhaps as an engagement present.
1: Karen guides the British Museum walk every Saturday afternoon at 2pm. Now, I'm heading off to the Soane Museum to hook up with Andy. We were hoping to snoop around the John Soane collection. But we encountered there a slight technical difficulty. Listen on, gentle podcaster. Listen on.
2: So here we are, outside the John Soane Museum. Yes,
1: I've had uh, quite a walk from Euston Station uh, down through the museum mile. And uh, here we are at John Soane. Now, everybody talks about the John Soane Museum, but actually, have they actually been? Right? Well, everybody talks about the John Soane, uh, but, but no. I haven't been. No. Uh, it's, my, it's my real gap, you know those, yeah. Yeah, everybody's got one. It's so, oh, yeah. I've always meant to do cultural that. Cultural hole. My cultural hole, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds filthy. <laughs> Quite so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're doing today, for me anyway, is yeah. just filling in a gap here, ticking a little box. Um, and people are keen to recommend this museum as being a great off-the-beaten-track eccentricity. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I, I went about a year ago, or maybe 18 months ago, and I did find it fascinating. It's absolutely stuffed with kind of curiosities. I mean, however much you've got stuffed in your house, Adam, <laughs> you know, by the time you come out here, you'll feel like it yeah. was minimalist. <laughs> I mean, absolutely stuffed with, with um, all kinds of curiosities. John Soane, he's born in uh, Goring-on-Thames, Okay. Uh, and he uh, goes to school in Reading. Mm. Sounds a bit like Kate Winslet, actually. She was um, she lived in Grand Thames when she was to school in Reading.
1: There we go, there we go. <laughs> Shall we go to the Kate Winslet Museum next?
2: <laughs> and, um, yeah, he went to the Royal Academy. Later, of course, became a professor of the Royal Academy. Mm. Um, what I thought was interesting, his name was Soane, S-O-A-N. Mm-hmm. When he got married, he added an E to make it sound a bit more posher.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah?
2: Yeah, and he built, acquired uh, three buildings along here. And he was famous for his neoclassical style of architecture. Okay. So I don't know, I, mean, I always think of Inigo Jones, I think of the Banqueting House.
1: Sure, And in his
2: uh, case, the Bank of England. Right. That's the big one. Okay. So he's uh, 18th century, dies in um, 1837. Right. So we're talking 18th century, 19th century. Great architect. Great friends with um, Turner, was right. one of his friends.
1: And an avid collector.
2: Really avid collector. I mean, it's stuff full of, you know, collections from friends. Actually, there's, uh, I think, there's three works by Turner inside there. There's um, stuff, a uh, huge collection of drawings by Robert Adam, who's kind of Italianate style, was the same kind of. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go in, check it out.
1: We you are. Yes. Anything. Here we go. It was at this point in our podcast that we came across our unexpected technical difficulty. Undaunted we moved on. You're never very far from a great museum here in London. And on Fleet Street, we found not one, but two great little exhibitions. So perhaps you can guess from the sound in the background there, we've been rather thwarted in our pursuit of the John Soren Museum, in so much as we're not allowed to record in there without booking. So what we are going to do? We're right here. Yeah, we'll we've, we've found a, an alternative. But it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll book another day for the John Soren Museum and uh, do a podcast from there one day. Uh, but we're on Fleet Street. We're in Twining's. We're Twinings. Twinings. Twining's Tea Shop and Twinings Museum. And
2: coffee Emporium. Indeed. Since
1: 1706. 1706. Oh. Uh, so the 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 great british drink uh, entirely appropriate that should have a, a museum dedicated to it and
3: you uh, while you're looking around oh, yeah. so this is a green think. oolong from china
1: right. okay. yeah. oh, it's, it's quite
3: hot just it.
1: wonderful thank <laughs> you so, so what is it we have here
3: it's a green yeah, oolong from yes. china
1: uh, yes. uh, and what? I
3: have some other ones. Yeah. I'm looking around. Feel free to open the jars oh, so if there's anything you want to try. Yeah. yeah that. Okay. Also, um, I don't know if you noticed when I walked in, there's um really interesting portraits from my family in, the, in this bit. And these are the,
1: the, the twining family? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So Thomas is the one at the very start on the right hand side. Okay. He started it all in 1708, which is where our office currently mm-hmm. is. Yeah, the bit you're standing in, he opens in
2: 1717. So, what we need to see, is the 11th generation of Twilies or something? How many? Ten.
3: Stephen's ten. Yeah. And he's still in the business. The uh, last. He has Georgia, apparently. I don't know that for sure, but, Um And he does uh, master blending. He also goes around the world as like a tea ambassador.
2: Have you got a favourite tea? Um,
3: yes, Grey Dragon. Grey <laughs> Dragon. Yeah, it's an oolong. Uh, so, dark version of that basically.
2: An ool- oolong, is That's so what we've so got here. A okay. green oolong? Green oolong, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic.
3: So there's six different categories of tea, right. which most people think there's two, which is like what I did. Um, so it's um, white, yellow, green, oolong, black and oolong tea. Right.
1: I'm shocked and stunned.
2: This is fantastic. <laughs> I thought there were two PG tips and titties. <laughs> yes, with or without sugar. Yes, very good. <laughs>
3: That's I thought they were green and black, and that was literally <laughs> it. So they're all here if you want to. Thank you up. very
1: much. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow, oh, wow indeed. Uh, An entirely fantastic welcome uh, at the Twinings Museum here. Very different. Um, <laughs> we have display cases here with uh, things under glass. Uh, 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 telling of the history of Twinings, uh, but I have to say it's 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 the welcome that's uh, yes. quite surprising and overwhelming here. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the tea—how's your green oolong working out for you? it's wow. nice.
3: Yes, it is. It's
1: very refreshing. So well, this has been brewed without milk. And um, yes, I wonder if it's—is it green tea with the, the one that will fight your... The radicals and so forth. I don't Do you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we'll ask me but um,
2: yes. we'll see where we are. We're on Fleet Street, by kind of Middle Temple, Inner Temple. Yes, this is all judges and lawyers, right. and of course printers. Years ago, wasn't it? Well, we've been here before,
1: déjà vu. Yeah, Fleet Street. Right we started our, our first podcast.
2: episode, yeah. yeah and yeah. we were
1: talking back then about drink, about alcohol, and uh, very unusual. Speaking as a journalist here, very unusual to find a journalist on Fleet Street drinking tea. But here I am. <laughs> In the street to drink. Quite so. Quite so. Now, the, the shop itself, the premises are long and thin. Yeah, very narrow. Uh, very narrow. Very narrow, stuffed with uh, teas and coffees. I, I'm usually a, a Martins of Muswell Hill fellow myself. Oh, lovely, yeah. yeah you can my... smell
2: that like roasting on particular afternoons. Yeah, very clever in Muswell Hill. It's wonderful aroma all over the whole of Muswell Hill. It's wonderful. It That's great. right. They
1: roast their coffee with, a, 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 I think, what's a chimney almost out of yeah. the window uh, to allow the smell to come yeah. out to en- encourage customers in. Uh, and they can sell all Oh,
2: was, a whiff of these teas, And
1: really. DJ's yes, quite soft.
2: This one. This one's a, a Darjeeling, a Darjeeling white, it's a rare and delicate white tea. The okay. a little the champagne. Have a, of teas. The champagne
1: of tea, champagne tea, it's not. Mmm. Mm. yes, what's getting... like fresh mown grass there. <laughs> Base notes of fresh mown grass. <laughs> and not not
2: inexpensive. Well, quite expensive, from th- eight pounds up to 40 years, so you're right. The champagne of
1: champagne and teas, and then just a little bit further down, all oh, the coffees. I love these. Look at these, indeed. I think the, the, the health giving properties of our little free sample there are starting to kick in because <laughs> nothing feels quite so, so bleak and terrible now on this winter afternoon after a nice <laughs> cup of tea. As George absolutely. Orwell once wrote, it's
2: a lovely little kick start, wasn't it? Absolutely, oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, let's have a look at some of these. We've got the Colombian. But your
1: bourbon light, but your old Java. Uh, no, we, we, we mustn't. We must be careful here. We'll, we'll upset Kim, our London Walks colleague uh, and Big associate editor of the London Walks blog. She she she's against coffee, Is and she? in fact, she's written lots of uh, um, well, well, a couple of wonderful pieces on tea for uh, our London Walks blog. And indeed, she she leads the tea and coffee oh, walk
2: right, okay, uh, okay. in the city. Okay. I suppose coffee was, in the same way as beer was, a safer alternative to to water in a way, wasn't it? Because it would have been boiled up in a certain kind of way.
1: Well, we're out again on Fleet Street here at the end of the Strand running into Fleet Street and uh, the best laid plans are oh, mice and men aft gang of glade. Uh, but it worked out very well for us.
2: Really nice. I mean, I kind of often walk past that um, uh, Twining's Tea and Coffee and Point. It was lovely to go inside. It is incredibly long and narrow, isn't it? It's an yep. incredible kind of building. Um, very friendly. Wow. Really uh, I friendly. think a, a
1: most unique u- museum experience. And you
2: can sit up out there and just kind of sip tea your heart's content. You can and,
1: and you don't have to Podcast like this no. with this quiet hushed I know voice.
2: What, I didn't see any money being exchanged. Absolutely so. There.
1: Now, people do shop there, of course. <laughs> uh, they can buy all your teas at Twining's Tea and Coffee Merchants on the Strand. Uh, but the museum, uh, there was no uh, commercial pressure to shop
2: there. They knew their stuff.
1: What a vivid, uh, small but perfectly formed museum. Okay, so we're in Magpie we're Alley, in Magpie Alley. We undaunted. Just
2: Fleet Street. I, well, I've never been here before. Adam's taking me here. Of course, Fleet Street is known for the, for the press principally, as well as um, uh, well, the wigs and the pens. I've never seen... Just take me through. This is the, this is the history of the printed
1: press. Well, given that we've, uh, we, we drew a blank at the John Soane and we uh, found alternative accommodation at Twining's, uh, we're throwing this in as a bonus. Is yeah. it a museum? Almost, it's an, uh, an exterior, an outdoor exhibition. Uh, Magpie Alley is a little cut through, uh, running uh, parallel to uh, Fleet Street. And in the tiles on the wall here, we have scenes from the history of newspaper uh, and uh, printing and publishing.
2: Uh, we're, we're outside here. This is a, um, you know, this is a, a permanent exhibition. Then, this a permanent there exhibition. Years.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Um, OK, great. I mean, I've never I've never seen it before, though. We're beginning here right from the from the 18th century, 1600s. Well, we press. go right back
1: to uh, the, the, the engraving at the top there, Caxton showing his first right. specimen of his printing to King Edward the Fourth, okay. um, And it, it ranges right up uh, to the 1980s.
2: Actually, further back to Wickender Word in 1586.
1: Indeed, who moved okay. the printing press uh, to this part of town, having inherited it from, from Caxton. Right. Um, so he was
2: over in Westminster, was he? He, he was, yes. West. That's where, where Caxton was. Up.
1: OK. Uh, you've got uh, the engravings also of uh, various different printing presses from the 19th century. They, they look, they look like sewing machines. They look uh, small and inadequate, and indeed, compared to uh, the technology that came in later, uh, they certainly are. Uh, they're not particularly fast moving. Well, we've
2: got some wonderful, wonderful maps here as well. This is a
1: Fleet Street. This is a huge one, Fleet Street and Luggay Hill. Quite so. And uh, we've got Newgate marked on this map as well, um, and the, the, the various tributaries, uh, Bouverie Street. In fact, uh, we've just uh, turned the corner out of Bouverie Street, where the Times used to be, um, uh, the, the the famous Times newspaper, uh, right up to the 1980s when they moved over to, to the East End. So we've got the Guildhall here, and then right up past kind of Fetter Lane, we got
2: the Daily Telegraph. Um, what else have we got there? have got. I mean, you had the Express, you had the. Um, yes, no, but- the Star. I didn't know there was it was uh, Daily Star from the
1: 1970s. But it, is that right, though? Sorry. Well, the Star newspaper was uh, the, the the newspaper that made. Uh, much currency out of the famous Jack the Ripper case in 1888. Uh, It's a different star newspaper from the Daily Star, which is currently going one of our red tops. I think 1978 is the Daily Star. Their great uh, innovation was to print uh, pictures of half-naked women in colour. This was the great leap forward uh, for the Daily Star in the late 70s.
2: What was the first paper, a colour paper? I, I, it didn't last very long, I don't think, did it? What was that that, that colour paper which came out? Was it Was it Today?
1: Or? That's right. In the nineteen eighties, uh, a newspaper called Today, founded by a fellow, if I remember correctly, called Eddie Shaw. Um, there are a, a litany of newspapers that have uh, launched and, and sunk. Uh, the, the Daily Star, uh, the, the, the Today, as you say, um, being one of them. Yes, colour and colour printing was the great innovation. Uh, right through the newspaper, the printing techniques at the time, though. Um, were still in their infancy, and right. the, the effect was rather migraine-inducing. <laughs> the colours would sometimes not marry up, and it would look rather like you should have been reading it through 3D right, right, glasses. Right,
3: right,
1: right, right, right. Um, yes, uh, it was eventually taken over, I believe, by, by Murdoch. Um, the the Daily Telegraph 10-feeder printing machine there uh, from 1860 a a Mm -hmm. diagram, an illustration which looks like something out of Heath Robinson (laughs) Um, and as you can see at the top of the illustration there, there's a window Uh, the printing presses were at the top of the building because they needed natural light to see what they were doing with up-close work Um, as the printing presses get bigger and bigger and bigger, so too does the location of the printing press change they move down the buildings uh, uh, down through the building and often into the basement uh, after this um, but yes, a very impressive ten-feeder printing machine. In the 1860s, we abolished a tax on paper as well, which allows for the mass production uh, of newspapers to begin. So you're going to need uh, a ten-feeder printing machine. Uh, and there's a famous name up there. Uh, talking of defunct newspapers, the News of the World. Ah, News of the World. Uh, only recently uh, left the firmament. So does that date uh, back to the, world the News of the World? That well, that us? particular uh, illustration there is uh, the mid 19th century. Uh, the, the is uh, that late.
2: old? Is that old, is uh, Yeah,
1: no, Murdoch was born in this, the, the 16th <laughs> century. And, um, yes, uh, the age of Degue. Um uh, No, uh, we're, we're being entirely disrespectful uh, to the, the, the... But was he of a certain...
2: Did he come from a certain mould, like people like uh, you know Murdoch and before that you'd have had... He was
1: the first... Um, well, I think you could certainly... invented tabloid
2: newspaper journalism. I think you could certainly say or
1: that, or that there's a common... Uh, bluster to, well, the newspaper, to the newspaper down. mogul down through oh, history. Okay. Uh, Maxwell certainly you could uh, 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 dub with being slightly bombastic, uh, and I'm sure uh, Lord Beaverbrook wasn't right. you know yeah. the, 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 yeah. the easiest yeah. of company either. So a certain bombast would. Yeah. Would uh, Northcliffe was he the first? Would he have been one of the? Well, Northcliffe, uh, whose name can be seen up and down the fl- yeah. uh, down Fleet Street yeah. here on the old Northcliffe House, and indeed there's a bust of Northcliffe on St Dunstan yeah. in the. West, West on yeah. um, Fleet Street there. Uh, Northcliffe, uh, if I get this right, was the founder also of the Daily Mail, Mirror oh, originally Mailer, as well. Oh, okay, okay. And the Daily Mirror, because uh, we're just coming up to the section of the exhibition here, uh, with printed pictures right, and yeah, the yeah, great yeah. innovation, the great yeah. leap forward in the late, very late 19th and early 20th century printing pictures. Um, and the Daily Mirror was founded uh, as a, a, a newspaper. For women, because it had mm-hmm. lots of pictures, <laughs> and we needn't worry the pretty little heads no, with blessing, something no. difficult like oh, writing. Oh, the um, uh, well, indeed, so this was uh, this we, we would stress here. We uh, we our, our voices are dripping with uh, <laughs> irony uh, just before anybody writes in to complain. Um, well, this was the, the perception. Sewing, this was the, the perception in the Edwardian era, absolutely. And we have a, a great Edwardian title here, um, a, a magazine or, or a, a, a part work, a periodical. Uh, called Living London, uh, which was published just down at the bottom of Fleet Street here. It made the most of the printing technology uh, in terms of pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. and published uh, yeah. photographs of, well, the example here is Newspaper London. Uh, there was issues oh, about German London and oh, yes. South uh, East London yeah, towards uh, green, the Sydenham first time. You know, and just, uh, Forest Hill. Um, Jewish London, uh, Costa London, East London... Uh, building up into a part work of the, the, a, a contemporary London the oh, I in the Edwardian. I love
2: period. this. This is the like, Illustrated News 1865. You love to
1: laugh, read the artful Dodger. A new Wait. paper, uh, Price Tuppence, it says there. <laughs> um, the original comic, dramatic, entertaining, farcical, humorous, satirical and grotesque miscellany uh, will be launched on the broad sea of British speculation and boldly brave the battle and the breeze of criticism and competition in weekly ventures for public favour on the 21st of November, <laughs> 1840. My goodness <laughs> me. They, they, the Dodger. The it's, it's, it sounds like quite a, quite a read. Uh, but yes, it's a, it's a, a museum of sorts. Yeah. Uh, an exhibition uh, on, an exterior, exterior exhibition on the history of newspapers here uh, in Fleet Street. We're, we're, we're never stuck for a museum in London. No, absolutely not. That's great.
0: London Walks podcast was compiled, produced and presented by Andy Hallett and Adam Scott Goulding. For details of the full programme of London Walks, London's best guided walking tours, go to www.walks.com. The London Walks podcast was an APB production.